0: Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. I am your host, Terence M. Stanton, recording this episode on the evening of Wednesday, October 20th, 2021. Today is the 14th day in Petition, the Sorrowful Mysteries of our 54 day Rosary Novena, and our intention is for the consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary by the Pope and all the Catholic bishops of the world in the manner requested by Our Lady of Fatima, which will end these chastisements, prevent greater chastisements, and result in the conversion of Russia to the Catholic faith and a period of world peace. I unite this rosary with all the rosaries offered for the same intention. Please keep praying that rosary every single day. Speaking especially to any men who are listening, lead your families, lead your wives, lead your children, any grandparents in the audience, lead your grandkids in the rosary. It is the prayer of the gospel. Our Lady absolutely loves it when we pray her rosary. It's the only thing she mentioned in every single one of the apparitions to the little shepherds at Fatima in 1917. Pray that rosary. Every single day. And you will see blessings galore. We're going to continue. This will be the last article from the summer 2021 edition of the Fatima Crusader. This article is entitled, Our Lady is Being Betrayed by Edmund J. Mazza, PhD. And there's an editor's note to begin. In keeping with our exposition of the errors, stemming from disobedience to the message of Fatima, Dr. Edmund Mazza offers a poignant piece that cuts to the heart of the grave crisis in the church. In this article, Dr. Maza elaborates on how far from the true faith our present-day churchmen have strayed by calling into question a single Marian doctrine, namely that of Our Lady as co-redemptrix, the teaching explained by Kennedy Hall. And of course, we shared that article the other day. And once again... This is available for free at the Fatima Center, Fatima.org, a wonderful resource for true and accurate information promoting the full message of Our Lady of Fatima. It continues, the Protestant heresy holds that man does not need to work out his salvation because man is saved by faith alone. The modernist heresy holds that hell is empty and that all go to heaven regardless of their religion or actions a worse error, in which good works are again irrelevant. Contained within both of these heresies are yet other errors against the faith, including not only Our Lady's unique role in our redemption, but even our own role in the communion of saints, having the ability to merit for ourselves and others. The Fatima children were wonderful witnesses to Catholic truth by their willingness to make sacrifices for the conversion and salvation of sinners. May we be inspired by the truths that Dr. Mazza shares with us, and take more seriously the call to penance. The secret's still silenced. The third part of the message that Our Lady entrusted to the shepherd children of Fatima remains secret to this day. Our Lady asked for it to be revealed in 1960, but John the 23rd had a communique published on February 8th of that year in which he stated that the Church does not wish to take on the responsibility of guaranteeing the truthfulness of the words that the three shepherd children said the Virgin Mary spoke to them. It would seem closer to the truth, however, if Pope John XXIII had admitted that he did not want to take on the responsibility of guaranteeing that he would steer the Church in the direction of the truth in an age of modernism. But why should he have been reluctant to do so? The Virgin Mary is, after all, the Stella Maris, Star of the Sea. She is thus ideally suited to help the church successfully navigate the stormy sea of our modern age as if true to his word however the pope charted precisely the opposite course he continued we feel that we must disagree with these prophets of doom who are always forecasting worse disasters as though the end of the world were at hand this scandalous statement belittling the virgin's apocalyptic warnings at fatima on the feast of mary's maternity no less was the keynote on which he chose to inaugurate not only the Second Vatican Council, but also the entire new era of the Conciliar Church. Six soul-ravaged decades later, Pope Francis, Jorge Bergoglio, now stands in Pope John's footsteps and seemingly celebrates the triumph of modernism over Catholicism with continued disobedience to Our Lady. This year, the day before the Feast of the Annunciation, he declared that Christ entrusted the entire Church and all the faithful to Mary, but as a mother, not as a goddess, not as a co-redemptrix, as a mother, he, Christ, is the only redeemer. They, Marian titles, are expressions of love, like a son to the mother. Sometimes exaggerated, but we know love always makes us do exaggerated things. Love sickness. Notice well how his statement falls into the common logical fallacy known as the straw man argument. His parallel sentences equate goddess with co redemptrix. All Catholics know Our Lady is not a goddess. The error is then, excuse me, the error is to then surmise, oh, she can't be co redemptrix either. Yet those two issues are wholly unrelated, as the doctrine of co redemptrix never claims Mary is a goddess. This method of argumentation is a common modernist ploy. Be on guard against it. The next tactic is likewise read out of the modernist playbook, the ad hominem attack, an appeal to emotion. His words indicate that pious Catholics are lovesick, and therefore prone to exaggerate. He belittles true piety and presumes an air of rationalistic superiority. How much of our glorious Catholic faith has been destroyed this way? Our Lady has been betrayed. Might we ask, Holy Father, dost thou betray the mother of the Son of Man with a kiss? This tendency to denigrate Our Lady, most recently through the denial of her role as co-redemptrix, is part and parcel of the apostasy which the Holy Virgin warned us about in the Third Secret. To describe this phenomenon, Archbishop Vigano has used the term anti-church, not unlike Bishop Fulton Sheen who spoke of the ape of the church. Since 1960, the anti-church elements have strenuously prevented the establishment of true devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, most specifically by failing to consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart and to properly promote the First Saturday devotion. Our Lady told the children of Fatima, Jesus wants to establish in the world devotion to my Immaculate Heart. To whoever embraces this devotion, I promise salvation. My Immaculate Heart will be your refuge and the way that will lead you to God. Our pastors have largely neglected this call. Pope Francis lectures faithful Catholics that Christ is the only Redeemer. It is ironic that he is suddenly so solicitous to correct our understanding of the faith, especially if we consider the litany of errors that he himself has proposed in the 3,000 days of his office. We have seen innumerable perversions of sound doctrine promulgated from the highest offices in the Church. If the Holy Father is worried about love sickness, I ask, what type of sickness is present in Rome? in order that a demon idol, a South American pagan earth goddess, be paraded about. There is a sickness in Rome, to be sure, but it is not because there is too much love for Mary. Our Lady says in her Magnificat, My soul doth magnify the Lord. It is not an exaggeration of our love for the Blessed Mother to consider her as co-redemptrix. No, it is a biblical truth that the more we seek the company of our Mother in Heaven, the more we will see the King of Kings magnified. Scripture and Tradition on Co Redemption. Alongside the doctrine of Our Lady as Co Redemptrix, we also find in Scripture and Tradition that each member of the body of Christ must cooperate with Christ in his own redemption. Let us look first to the very words of our Lord Amen, Amen, I say to you, He that believeth in me, the works that I do he also shall do, and greater than these shall he do. John fourteen twelve. Christ's followers will do greater works than Christ? To untrained ears, is there anything that could smack of greater blasphemy than to suggest that followers of Christ could partake in the works of Christ? Yet we have these words directly from the lips of the Son of Man himself. How to understand this hard saying? St. Augustine, the greatest doctor of the first millennium of the Church, writes, He that believes in me, the works that I do, shall he do also. I do them first, and he shall do them afterwards. For I do such works that he may do them also. And what are the works but the making of a righteous man out of an ungodly one? Greater works also than these shall he do. Who with Christ working in him is a co-worker in his own eternal salvation and justification. And it is assuredly something less to preach the words of righteousness which he did apart from us, than to justify the ungodly, which he does in such a way in us that we also are doing it ourselves. Every baptized member of Christ's body is a co-worker in his own eternal salvation and justification. We might even say a type of co-redeemer. And this fact that our participating through good works is essential to our redemption is a dogmatic teaching upheld by the Council of Trent against the Protestant heresies of Luther and Calvin. If anyone says that the justified person, by the good works which he performs through the grace of God and the merit of Jesus Christ, whose living member he is, does not truly merit increase of grace, eternal life, and the attainment of that eternal life, let him be anathema. Council of Trent, Canon 32. It is de fide that at baptism we individually become connected to the crucified Christ as a branch to a vine, as St. Paul explains. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life, Romans 6, 3 and 4. The implications of this are staggering. St. Thomas Aquinas, the greatest doctor of the second millennium of the Church, tells us, By baptism we are incorporated into the passion and death of Christ. As St. Paul says, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall live also together with Christ, from which it is clear that the passion of Christ is communicated to the baptized as a remedy, as if he himself had suffered and died. Jesus' work on Calvary is considered, in the eyes of his Father, to be ours, to such an extent that we may claim rightful credit to it as our own work, just as much as if we had accomplished it ourselves. For indeed, although we are the mystical body and not the physical one, it is one and the same head, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who carried out the deed. Thus, it is clear that by participating in the works of Christ, we act as co-operators in our individual subjective redemption. To deny the title co-redeemer to any of us is akin to denying with Luther and Calvin that we are literally members of his body. It is also akin to denying that we, however mysteriously, make up in our own bodies what is wanting in Christ's sufferings for our redemption. This too might sound heretical to untrained ears, but it is the infallible Holy Ghost who through St. Paul proclaims this truth. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the Church. Colossians one twenty four. To deny that Mary is the co-redemptrix is to commit a graver mistake still, since, unlike us, she was assigned by divine providence to be actually present at Calvary, and to suffer alongside her son in the joint offering by which the human race was objectively redeemed. Mary's repeated urgings at Fatima for prayer, penance, and reparation are meaningless without the doctrine of Our Lady as co-redemptrix, and of our own meritorious works, Our Lady, do you wish to offer yourselves to God to endure all the sufferings that he may be pleased to send you, as both an act of reparation for the sins with which he is offended, and an act of supplication for the conversion of sinners? Lucia, yes, we do. Our Lady, well then, you will have much to suffer, but the grace of God will be your comfort. First Apparition of Our Lady of Fatima, May thirteenth, 1917. Sacrifice yourselves for sinners, and say many times, especially when you make a sacrifice, O oh Jesus, this is for love of Thee, for the conversion of sinners, and in reparation for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Third Apparition of Our Lady of Fatima, July thirteenth, 1917. Pray, pray much, and sacrifice for sinners, for many souls go to hell, because there is no one to sacrifice and pray for them. Fourth Apparition of Our Lady of Fatima, August nineteenth, 1917. Penance, penance, penance. Along with grave disobedience of our Blessed Mother, at the heart of the great apostasy, excuse me, I should say, along with grave disobedience to our Blessed Mother, at the heart of the great apostasy of the last 60 years has been the eradication of the notion of individual sacrifices offered in co-redemption for the conversion of sinners. Had the popes, bishops, and pariti so devoted to the council use the message of Our Lady of Fatima for their pastoral blueprint, the ensuing devastation would never have happened. Indeed, even in this late hour, the vision revealed in the third secret still urges us on to co-redemption, whether through our own generosity or with necks bowed under the weight of a bloody persecution. The angel cried out in a loud voice, Penance, 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 the Holy Father, "'passed through a big city half in ruins "'and half trembling with halting step. "'Afflicted with pain and sorrow, "'he prayed for the souls of the corpses he met on his way. "'Having reached the top of the mountain, "'on his knees, at the foot of the big cross, "'he was killed by a group of soldiers "'who fired bullets and arrows at him. "'And in the same way there died one after another, "'the other bishops, priests, men and women religious, "'and various lay people of different ranks and positions.' Beneath the two arms of the cross, there were two angels, each with a crystal aspersorium in his hand, in which they gathered up the blood of the martyrs, and with it sprinkled the souls that were making their way to God. Thus ends the article. Dr. Edmund J. Mazza is host of The Bar of History at virginmostpowerfulradio.org. His online courses in church and world history are available at www.edmundmazza.com. That's E-D-M-U-N-D-M-A-Z-Z. Dot com, formerly of Azusa Pacific University in Los Angeles. Mazza is the author of The Scholastics and the Jews by Angelico Press. That last paragraph was part of the third secret of Fatima, and we'll delve into that much more deeply on the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It paints a rather horrifying picture of what is to become of a pope, doesn't specify which pope, talks about bishops, priests, men and women, religious, various lay people dying, being martyred for the faith. That's how serious this message is. The importance of penance. The importance of praying the rosary every day, the importance of doing the first Saturday devotions. We all have our part to play. We're all a part of the mystical body of Christ. And as we've mentioned before, any one of the popes going back to 1929 could have made the command of his bishops on one particular day to consecrate Russia altogether to the Immaculate Heart of the Blessed Virgin Mary. That didn't happen. But we have our part to play. We're not, most of us, are not bishops. If there are any bishops listening, God love you, we're praying for you. But... The laity have their part to play as well. Everyone can pray the rosary every day. We can share it with our Protestant and Orthodox friends. you want to talk about true ecumenism, encouraging your non-Catholic friends to convert to the one true faith, that's the lasso, if you will, where the Blessed Virgin Mary is going to bring them into the church. Pray the rosary with your non-Catholic friends. The prayers are soaked in Scripture. You can discuss various Bible verses just by going through the prayers of the Rosary. The Catholic Church collected, protected, and promulgated the Bible. As St. John Henry Cardinal Newman said, To be deep in history is to cease to be a Protestant. I will say that once again. To be deep in history is to cease to be a Protestant. We've seen so many Protestants in recent times, over the last 30 or 40 years especially, very good men like Dr. Scott Hahn, and Mr. Stephen Wood, and Mr. Stephen Ray, and Mr. Timothy Staples, and Mr. Jimmy Aiken, and Dr. Taylor Marshall, many, many others, they delve into church history. They delve into what the early church fathers believed, what they taught. a great resource for Catholic apologetics and conversion and reversion stories is a book called Surprised by Truth, which is edited by the great Catholic apologist Patrick Madrid. Anyone who's listening to this show, I highly advise you to get a copy of that, Surprised by Truth. A lot of great conversion stories in there. The Catholic Church is the church of the Bible, it's the church of history, it's the church of logic. Catholicism can answer absolutely any attack against it because Catholicism is true. And as Venerable Fulton J. Sheen once said, there aren't but a hundred people in the world who truly hate the Catholic Church, but there are millions who hate what they mistakenly believe to be the Catholic Church. And a lot of the work of apologetics, evangelization, and catechesis is simply clearing obstacles, clearing misunderstandings that people have about the Catholic faith. Because once you realize what Catholicism is, I'll go back to the words of Mr. Madrid, the two greatest gifts anyone can ever receive are their life and the Catholic religion. We are so beautiful and we are so blessed to be Catholic. If you're a Catholic who's been away from the church, please come home. Pray the rosary every day. Go to confession. Come to Mass. I recommend attending the traditional Latin Mass or Divine Liturgy. And if you're a not, not a Catholic, Convert. We love you. We want you in the church. Catholicism is true. Jesus wants you in, in the church. Jesus wants every man, woman, and child on earth to be Catholic. That is true unity. There can only be unity in the truth. Catholicism is the one true religion. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ wants everyone to be Catholic. Let's pray for the intercession of Our Lady of Fatima, that that will one day be the case. Let's pray for the consecration of Russia by the Pope and all the bishops of the world as soon as possible. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Our Lady of Fatima. We love you, Saint Joseph. Let's honor Our Lady. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena. Dominus tecum, Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et Benedictus fructus ventris tu iesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora per nobis peccatoribus nunc et in oram mortis nostrae. Amen. Virgo potens, ora per nobis. Sancti Joseph, terra daimonem, ora per nobis in omne et filii et, fili, et spiritu sancti. Amen. Thank you very kindly for listening to episode 20 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. I am your host, Terrence M. Stanton. Please tune in again and tell all your family and friends about the show. We need you and we love you. Jesus loves you. Our Lady of Fatima loves you. St. Joseph loves you. Goodbye and God love you.